Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. Today I want to share with you some things that I've been listening to online on YouTube. There's a neuroscientist by the name of Andrew Huberman. And he puts out a ton. I didn't know about him until, you know, a few weeks ago. I've seen him pop up on social media and YouTube. And he's got some phenomenal information about the brain and sleep and exercise and training. And uh, then he starts, you know, spends a lot of time talking about dopamine. And then I saw a couple of videos that he did about pornography and how that affects the brain. I saw, so I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting hearing a neuroscientist. So he's a, he's a professor at Stanford. And he's a neuroscientist, teaches at the uh, in the Department of Neurobiology. And so he's got multiple videos on YouTube. You're, you're more than welcome to check him out. Like I said, Andrew Huberman. And he shares some really, really important things that I think for people, they, they need to understand these things. And I've heard of a lot of the things that he's talking about, but he puts it in way better terms than who I've heard teach this in the past. And also some really new, uh, important information that help to expand, again, how how we can see this and how we can then address the problem. And so I wanted to share with you just a few of the takeaways, a few of the things that I shared, that, that there are a handful of things that he had spoken about and kind of see if we can make this more applicable to your situation to help describe and, like I said, better understand the issue so you can know what to do and how to move forward. And so the, one of the first things he says in, in a couple of these episodes on YouTube is that he, he's not, he's, he says he's not looking at it through the lens of morality. He says, I'm not calling this a sin or not a sin. He said, I'm a scientist. So I just look at things through the lens of biology. So he's like, no judgment for me. I'm just reporting the findings. And I think a part of why he says that is because sometimes people, there's like two camps, right? There's one camp that says pornography is not an issue at all. And Another camp says, well, yes, it is an issue. It's affecting our relationship. It affects our spirituality. It affects emotionally. And one camp can demonize the other and say, well, like, well, you guys are just like religious zealots. That's why you think that this is so bad. And this really isn't that big of an issue. So he, he's making it clear that he's just reporting the findings and he's not trying to judge anybody, which is great because I mean, judgment doesn't help of course anyways, but uh, he just shares some like data and, and an understanding about how the process in the brain works. So one of the things that he starts off by talking about is dopamine. He describes what it is. And I just so everybody's on the same page, I wanted to share with you how he sees this. So this is a part that I did not know. He said that he, he said that it's a not it's a non-infinite but renewable resource. So it's not unlimited, but it renews itself. And the way that I thought of this was like a filter system. If you guys remember those like Brita water filters are these empty jugs and then on the top is this filter so you pour water into the top and then slowly it drips out through the filter into the basin beneath it into the jug beneath it so then you can pour the water out that's filtered or like any water filtration system that goes through a tank that you know the clean water is in your tank then the tap turns it on and then it depletes the tank and then it has to just run more water through it so i did not know that that dopamine was the same kind of a system he described it as the molecule of motivation, pursuit, and desire. And when you have too big of a dopamine release, for whether it's from like drugs like meth or cocaine, and he even talks about this as, with pornography as well, it then involves a mirror symmetric decrease in dopamine, which basically means that you don't go back to the baseline. 
if you have a spike of dopamine, there's a mirror, like you call it, this is the phrase, the mirror symmetric decrease. So to that degree, it goes beneath the baseline. So this is the basis of addiction, is what he says. And he, he recommends protecting these highs. Because the dip afterwards is, is, a, is a molecule that's released in the brain called dynorphin, which is the opposite of an endorphin. So the endorphin is, re is related to an activation state, right? When, when, our, when our mood and our state elevates, that are, those are the endorphins that are, that are kicking in. But the opposite is a dynorphin. And this, he says, involves pain. And the crash that comes afterwards is, it, it feels painful to us. And so in order for us to return to the baseline of dopamine, the process is to simply just wait and not trigger more dopamine at that time. And this is, again, how, as he describes, is the, the basis of addiction. It's this teeter-totter type of an, of a, an experience for people. Where there's, a, there's an extreme high. The chemicals are released, all the feel-good endorphins and, and the dopamine, the oxytocin that's released upon orgasm. There's like so many positive chemicals that are in our brain when this happens. But then as a result of that dopamine, it reverses back below baseline like a teeter-totter wanting to reset itself. And so when people feel that pain, it feels very uncomfortable. Naturally, the mind, the brain is going to want to like, or the, the emotion is going to want to get us back into this like, elevated state because we don't want to feel pain right we want to avoid pain seek pleasure so the brain is doing that where this teeter-totter goes back and forth so the idea is that you just simply wait it out and you don't trigger more dopamine at that time and so he talks about this as well whether it's with pornography whether it's with social media he said when you repeatedly trigger a dopamine release eventually it gets to the point where it's not activating and releasing that same level of chemical in the brain or the the, the hormone in the brain it's not releasing testosterone or dopamine to the same degree. What happens is you just start to do it compulsively and you're trying to just get a little droplet of dopamine to be released in the brain. But because there's no time for it to reset and you're continually seeking that, this is a part of why people need more and different. So for instance, like you can't just have one beer for your whole life and get like blacked out drunk. But if you have one beer, that will turn to two, which will turn to four, which will turn to six. Because of the way that we're wired, we develop a tolerance, and that's the brain. The baseline of the brain will change depending on the input of the system, depending on the input of the activity and the stimulus. And so once you are continually seeking this dopamine, it fatigues. And this is a part that I did not know. Some of these things I have, I've heard from other people, but he put this in such a powerful, concise way. This was one thing that I did not know, that the brain, the, the dopamine receptors will fatigue, and then you get to what he, de what he describes as depletion. When we're just scrolling mindlessly, let's say on social media, or somebody's lost in the vortex, I kind of call it like that, like if I'm scrolling like Instagram, watching basketball highlights or reels or whatever, you know, in the beginning, it's fun. There is this, there is dopamine that's released, which is what he talks about. When you first start looking through social media, there is a release. Or if you pull up a release of dopamine, and dopamine is the motivation, it's the pursuit of the reward. And so once you are pursuing this, it's the motivation to engage with the thing. It's the excitement of like, oh, I wonder if so-and-so put out a new episode on YouTube or a podcast or my, my, the person that I follow on social media, if they're doing this thing, like there's an excitement there. 
looking for the next thing, but that's simply the dopamine that's being released to seek the reward. But then once you do, and then you stay doing the thing, the dopamine reduces, ultimately depleting, so that then you're scrolling and you don't know why. It's the promise of reward, but the high never comes because there's been that depletion. Again, going back to that water filter analogy, once you deplete the tank, if you keep going back for that and you turn on the spigot or you're pouring the, the jug of, you know, you're pouring the jug, it's empty. So you're getting little droplets because the brain hasn't had time to reset itself. And so I think this is such an important thing as I, again, some of these things that I've already heard, but like for him to put it in this, these terms makes perfect sense when I'm working with guys who are struggling with addiction, who find themselves just like scrolling and they don't know why they're doing it. They don't feel good about what they're doing, but they're caught in this vortex of seeking the same, you know, uh, hormonal high, the dopamine, the high, the excitement, the whatever, the escape, <clears throat> but they're not getting it because the brain doesn't, It's it's been depleted. So just by being caught in this hamster wheel, this is why people keep turning back to it over and over and over again, because it never actually satisfies what they hope it will. Especially when somebody's struggling with pornography, it's not like you or again, it, it can be any of these behaviors. It can be social media. It can be gambling. So I live in Las Vegas and sometimes when I walk through casinos, I see people sitting like literally like sitting like zombies. They look like zombies at these slot machines. They're pushing the button. Their face is in their hand. They've got a cigarette in their other hand. And they keep knocking the button because it's an intermittent reward. That's what he says. You know, Dr. Huberman says is what's so addicting about social media is it's intermittently rewarding. Same thing with gambling. You don't win a jackpot every time, but if you win a jackpot two, or not even a jackpot, if you win like three or four out of 10, the brain, it, it increases the level of dopamine that's released because it's an intermittent reward. It's like, I try this, oh, that didn't work. I try this, that didn't work. And on the third one, like that worked. Like, wow, that's exciting. The lights go off and this is this is great. And then the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time it doesn't work, but the pursuit of the reward, which is again the dopamine, is what's fueling somebody to do that until it depletes, and then you're just like mindlessly scrolling. You don't know why. So I think this is such important information because so often I work with people where they don't really feel motivated, they don't feel like they're really happy, they have lower levels of like excitement and pleasure in their life, they don't take the same kind of enjoyment as they otherwise would in hobbies or whatever. The relationships don't feel really connected. There's nothing wrong with you. And again, I love how he puts this. He's describing neurolog like neurologically, <laughs> neurologically, neurochemically what's happening in the brain. It makes perfect sense why you're there. So there's nothing wrong with you. It simply means you've been depleted on dopamine and you've been searching for something in a place where you cannot find it. If somebody is trying to escape their pain, linking this to, again, when people are struggling with addiction, you couple the inherent natural addictive qualities of that behavior. And you, because again, like we're, we're wired to do, he's, he describes this as like human beings are wired to do two things. Number one, uh, protect your offspring. Number two, create more offspring. And of course, to stay alive, right? That's that's our, our primary goal is to stay alive. We have such a high drive to make sure that we get our needs met, food, water, shelter, all of that. So 
when somebody is being drawn into this trap of pornography, it taps right into that circuitry, that reward circuitry that's hardwired into us. So again, there's this promise of reward or of a feeling, which is again, this it's, it's already, it's already has the potential to be an addictive activity depending on how it's managed. You couple that with somebody who's using that as a coping mechanism for pain, it further entrenches them into this pattern that becomes so difficult to get out of because number one, they're not really sure. Sometimes they're not really sure how to get their needs met in a different way. If they're coping from some underlying you know, insecurity or fear or trauma or loneliness, if they don't really know how to get those needs met and then they're introduced to pornography, again, there's an automatic release of positive chemicals in the brain, hormones in the brain, that change that person's state. So if you link that that process, that natural process of that reward circuitry being activated in the brain, along with it being a coping mechanism for some somebody, it becomes very, very difficult to step out of. And it gets to the point where it gets beyond their ability to do it by themselves without any new tools or any new approach or support because the same strategies of trying to willpower your way through it just won't work because the brain is locked or has been wired through experience to expect a certain amount of dopamine, to expect a certain amount of that feeling so that everything, it's almost like, I wish I had a whiteboard, I could draw this out. Imagine this spike and it goes beyond your baseline, it goes beyond your threshold. The spike goes above it, which feels even better and then it comes down in a, in a negative way, below baseline, it then, the more you spike that dopamine, the more is required to achieve that same level of feeling. So people absolutely get stuck in this pattern and it becomes compulsive. And despite it going up against their values, despite knowing the damage that it causes, despite knowing the pain that it causes their wife, people get trapped in this vortex because of the neurochemical element, the neurological uh, element of this process and it's it, it can be such a trap for people he describes this and again he describes he's like i'm not you know there's no judgment here i just report the findings but he said he believes that pornography is just as serious as the opioid crisis and in another part of the interview in another episode or another video that i saw he describes pornography as a very serious issue and he says it's a real detriment to people, especially to the developing brain. So I just think about most of the people that I've worked with. Their, their addiction, their, their getting stuck in this pattern begins usually in early adolescence. And if you're exposed, he, he describes the brain being very plastic, I guess is the word that neuroscientists use. The brain is plastic or in other words, malleable. It's able to adapt and shape. It's like it has to do with the brain's ability to learn and how neurons fire and wire together and synapses and how information travels and how we develop habits and patterns. So the brain is very malleable when you're young, especially. And so being exposed to this type of content that's already activating that reward circuitry in the brain, it just becomes a very, very powerful force that again, for, for some people, for a lot of people, gets to the point where they're not able to approach this and deal with this on their own with the tools that they've had 
with the tools that they currently have because it's just grown beyond their capacity. And so I think that's another part of, I, I hope, what helps the, the wives who are listening to this to a little bit better understand. And I would encourage you to check out his stuff, Andrew Huberman. You can find, he's got a podcast. He's got tons of YouTube stuff. Fascinating. And he's a very well-spoken, uh, just very knowledgeable. So it's very easy to listen to him. But hearing more about how the brain works. And another thing that he mentioned that I thought was important. He said that a picture is worth a thousand words. And a movie is worth a million pictures when it comes to the impact it has on your nervous system. So again, all of this is to say it, 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 can be, it can be a very big challenge for people who have been exposed to pornography to just turn it off and to say, I'm not going to do this anymore and to like walk away from that. Some people can do that, but a lot of people, it grows beyond their ability to do that. The last thing that I wanted to mention, which I thought was so, so important he talks about this, you know, the, the, the hormones that are released when people watch pornography or there's masturbation or a sexual experience. Again, it's just when there's an orgasm, different hormones are released and dopamine is what leads up to it. And then after there's been that release, oxytocin is what's emitted in the brain, among other things. And one of the critical things to understand about oxytocin is they call it the, the, the phrase, the little, I don't know, like nickname is the cuddle drug because oxytocin facilitates what they call pair bonding. So it facilitates this closeness, this connection, the trust. It facilitates people growing closer to each other. So oxytocin is released when, when there's physical contact, skin on skin contact oxytocin is released so you can be like carrying your baby this is why a part of why mothers mothers now they want skin to skin to contact right after the birth because it's good for both people breastfeeding oxytocin is released looking into somebody's eyes oxytocin is released it's a it's the the hormone in the brain that facilitates that connection so when you're feeling that type of like that afterglow right if you have a sexual experience with your partner there's this afterglow, there's this like warmth, there's this connection there, there's this close, like that's oxytocin. He says that when people watch pornography and there's masturbation, there's still a release of oxytocin, but the issue is that without another person being there to, to it's instead of it being a spiral upward, where it's like a positive cycle, he says that dopamine goes up during the pursuit with the anticipation, then it peaks and then it crashes below baseline after orgasm. So the low that people feel puts them into this like unmotivated state. And there's this, he describes it as an open loop. So so the dopamine crashes, goes below baseline, oxytocin is released, which is again, facilitates this pairing up, this connection and closeness. But when there's nobody there, it creates this like sense of emptiness. And I thought that was so significant and important to mention because as you're by yourself, you're left and you're kind of just like, there is this crash that's there. There is this void where you're not connecting with the person, right? It's a sexual experience for so many people is designed to be in relation with somebody else because of all of what's happening in the brain and in the body, of course. But like, again, the, the it's the, the it's, it, it, it's an experience with somebody else. So without that, there is this sense of emptiness that he describes, which I think for so many people just 
gets them right back on the hamster wheel, right? There's a crash. It feels empty. There is pain because of that chemical that's released uh, that I mentioned earlier, dynorphin, so that they want to get out of that pain, which sets them right back up to re-enter that cycle. So I thought that was just such an important element to this as well, so that when people, when they're struggling, when there's a slip, there's a relapse, of course, if they feel bad. There's a, there's a guilt there. There's a shame there for a lot of people. There's also a neurochemical thing that's happening too, which is an emptiness, and you physiologically can feel that which is why, again, it's so important that we're addressing this and and being able to approach it in a way that can help them exit that pattern, that hamster wheel, so they can do it permanently, so they can have the kind of relationship that they want to have, that they can enjoy, enjoy intimacy with their partner as it was designed to be enjoyed with that person on the foundation of trust and closeness and connection. And so the goal... So there he gives a couple of suggestions. The goal, uh, I guess, in terms of, this is me speaking, we want to identify why it's happening. We want to identify what are the core issues that are driving this. And then we need to develop new habits. So this is where he kind of links in a couple of suggestions that he has. He shared a story about a family friend whose son is 21 years old and he graduated high school but he has he has like no motivation. He stopped working. He stopped exercising. He stopped really doing anything. And then Dr. Huberman described this as like a failure to launch. This is like a process of, of a failure to launch. And so, you know, he's just kind of doing his, you know, just like day by day, living day by day, not really doing much. And the parents were worried, like, does he have ADHD? Is he struggling with depression? And so they heard about this idea of dopamine depletion. And so the the 21-year-old called Dr. Huberman and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go a month without scrolling around on my phone, doing video games, social media. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. And then he calls him again on day 25 of the month. You know, it's 25 out of 30 and says that he reports that he's running again. He's exercising. He's lifting. He's back to work. He's doing things completely differently. And the reason why he was struggling so much is because of the dopamine depletion. He couldn't concentrate. He had no motivation. He didn't care about anything. Because that is, again, dopamine is released to help us pursue our goals. But if we deplete it, we then have no motivation. We have no drive. We're not pursuing anything. There's no, it decreases our pleasure. It decreases our experience of life because again the this this the the levels in our brain become artificially spiked so that it requires more and more and more stimulus to try to achieve the same level of enjoyment or or release or again that neurochemical feel good and so he suggests two things he says he says number one the way that he frames it to himself is he says, I need to shut the valve off so I can continue to enjoy the things that I like to do. And so what that means is when he's watching YouTube, let's say, he will he will close it off. He'll say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to pick this time and this is I'm finished watching this because if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't slam the gate shut, then the dopamine is going to get depleted. It's not going to serve him. He's going to feel this emptiness and then he's going to go back to, and then it's just, then he's like running on fumes when it comes to dopamine, which decreases again the level of, of pleasure that he feels as he's watching stuff that he might enjoy watching. And so that's number one. Number two, 
He suggests doing a deliberate decompression, which for him, he has a pattern of every day he spends 10 to 30 minutes where he doesn't watch anything. He doesn't journal. He's not taking any sensory info in. He's just trying to relax his mind, relax his body, clear the mind as best as you can. There's no real way to clear it as much as this is like the, the, the goal of like meditation isn't to have a blank mind as much as it is to just observe the thought coming in and out, but refocusing on your body, just breathing, just being present. So he's doing something similar where he's just kind of trying to blank in his mind or just relax to the point where he's decompressing from external stimuli. And by doing that, he says, you'd be surprised when you see how strong you come back from that with an added capacity for focus and motivation. Because so often we just fill our idle time with more sensory info. Again, whether it's like you're driving around listening to something. For me, like I, I know what he means by that because I'm always trying, you know, I just, I like listening to things. I'm doing podcasts or listening to YouTube videos or whatever. But I can see exactly what he means. And I've found myself getting to that habit where I have, a, you know, an, a, an empty 30 seconds. I'm reaching for my phone. And I don't like how that feels. I don't want to feel like I'm glued to my phone. And so I liked hearing this because it helps to just reinforce how important it is for us to take breaks. So we're not just constantly compulsively seeking. And again, whether this is with pornography or just these other activities that don't really serve us. And so initially social media does uh, does release dopamine. There's an excitement of like, oh, I wonder what, you know, I follow this artist. So I wonder what they just released. Is there a new episode of this podcast? Is there a new thing? Like, that's great. That's, there is an excitement there. That's normal. That's healthy. You're wanting to see what's going on. There's a motivation there. But then after that's all depleted and you're just like mindlessly doing it, then you're not getting the pleasure out of it. You're just like a rat pressing the lever down in those experiments that they do because the dopamine's been depleted. So we just need some time away from it. And so I think this is so important and relevant for all of the work that we're doing here as you listen on the podcast, as you guys are trying to implement these tools, I hope this becomes another tool you can implement, which is consciously and deliberately taking a break from some of these activities or stimuli that just constantly bombard us as people. There's so much information that's out there and a lot of it is good. And there's, he's not saying go live in a cave and like get rid of everything, but he's saying we do want to take breaks. It's an alternation between break and engaging and taking a break and engaging. It's finding that balance. And so I would encourage you guys as you're reflecting on if any of this resonates for you to consciously put these breaks in place. And if you feel like, and this is something I've recommended to clients in the past, if there, if I can tell, and now I have language for it, I didn't really have a language for it, this dopamine depletion, but I've seen it where it's this compulsive searching, but now I know the phrase and the, the neurochemistry that goes with that. I've recommended to people in the past, like taking a break from stepping away from, if they're like glued to YouTube every day, it's like, why don't you take a break and allow your brain to reset? Because there's research that talks about the length of time it requires the brain to reset. I've heard this this uh, with regard to pornography. It takes up to 90 days for the brain to reset the, the baseline. Maybe for other things, I've heard figures between 30 and 90 days. Going back to the story that Andrew Huberman talks about, it's, it's within 30 days there's been a reset that happens. So however long it takes is fine. And you'll be able to get a sense of that. But you 
actively and deliberately choosing to take some space at least during the day to not be flooded by everything that's available online or in in terms of music or television or media or whatever to give you that space so your brain actually can get a break replace and replenish the dopamine which will allow you to again dopamine is such an important an important hormone because it sparks our motivation and our pursuit and so for us as we're trying to become the people that we are meant to become having that motivation and that clarity and that drive is a necessary component in this puzzle and so becoming the kind of man or woman that you want to be and achieving the goals that you have and wanting to be more connected and developing a stronger family achieving what you want to achieve at work or at home or whatever you're involved in it's so critical. It's been reinforced to me as I listened to a couple of these episodes how critical dopamine and that drive is and how critical it is that we protect these spikes of dopamine, knowing that on the flip side, on the other side of that is a release of these chemicals, of these hormones that it feels like pain in the body. So consciously allowing yourself to just wade through that feeling. This is where I think meditation has such a an important role because if you can observe how it feels in your body without responding and reacting you're going to have so much more of an edge to just be able to wade through this period of time when the teeter-totter of dopamine and pain it's a teeter-totter right when one goes up the other one comes down then it reverses you can wade through that knowing what's going on and just expecting yeah this is not going to feel very good but you don't have to do anything about it in other words you don't have to spike dopamine again That's what he says. The way to get through that is to just not trigger the dopamine release again. So I hope as you listen, some ideas have come to your mind about how you want to approach things and how you can maybe do some type of a reset to help you get more balanced so you can ultimately have the clarity, the motivation, the excitement, and the drive to pursue the goals that you were meant to pursue and ultimately become the person that you were meant to become. So I hope this is helpful. It's been tremendously helpful for me to just have this, you know, some of these things refined and clarified. And, and, and as I learn these different things about the brain, I wanted to pass this along to you and, and hopefully inspire you to recognize a little more about what's happening and how you can work with it to become successful in the, you know, in the endeavors of creating the kind of life that you want. So I look forward to speaking with you again next week and I will talk to you then. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.